You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Alright, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, CJ Palmasano, and we have a lot to get into in the crazy week that happened this uh, this week in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, we have the Royal Rumble, which I think most of us can agree was a pretty, pretty meh rumble for the most part. Uh, some highlights, some good things, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, we have a lot of news around Shane McMahon and his involvement of the Royal Rumble. We have a lot of news stories going around, uh, controversy around Brian Kendrick being released from WWE, getting uh, booked on AEW, and then getting released by AEW within 24 hours. Um, uh, how long Mustafa Ali has on his WWE contract? Goldberg being slated for a match at Elimination Chamber. Uh, a SmackDown wrestler being disappointed uh, that he was not booked in the Royal Rumble, and John Moxley making his return to New Japan Pro Wrestling. So why don't we kick things off with that? John Moxley uh, made his return to AEW recently. You know, coming back from a long battle of rehab and looking. 10 years younger. The guy is looking fantastic if you've seen before. Uh, from Wrestle Talk here, reading, reading the article, John Moxley is back not only in only wrestling, but he's also just announced for the upcoming New Japan Pro Wrestling show. Uh, I believe it's uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Riot. Taking their official Twitter account, New Japan Pro Wrestling shared a video of Mox declaring his intentions for their upcoming show titled Windy City Riot, being held on April 16th, 2022 in Chicago, Illinois. In the video, Moxley says, One thing has not changed, and I am the boogeyman of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and no one can call themselves the best as long as I'm lurking in the shadows. So I will be in Chicago April 16th. So New Japan Pro Wrestling, as you always do, bring your best. And he started running people down, you know, like... Okada, Shingo, and then it clo- the it closes up closes up on his face, and he kind of rolls his eye, going Tanahashi. You know, I think you know Moxley's been lobbying for a match with Tanahashi for for so so long now. I thought maybe there was a slight chance we could have gotten it last year at All Out, but we got Minoru Suzuki instead, which is still good. Um, I think you know will eventually lead to a uh, Moxley Tanahashi match. Um, I would say. Maybe we'd get it at Dominion later this summer, you know. Seeing how things go with the world of COVID and how Japan kind of handles things, I think we could easily, I think we could definitely see uh, the latest Moxley versus Tanahashi at uh, Dominion this year. Um, going through some of the other news stories before we go into the bigger ones. Um, Mustafa Ali, how long does he have left on his WWE contract? Well, here's the latest of his uh, WWE contract status. On January 16th, Ali announced that he requested his release from the company following reports that 
uh, informed Ali that his request will no longer be granted. The wrestling world has been sharing messages, support from the SmackDown star with the hashtag Free Ali. Um, as per Fightful Select, WWE sources reveal that Ali has well over a year at least left on his current WWE contract. A specific expiration date is currently unknown. WWE, report- WWE reportedly has no working plans and creative for Ali, despite the term value reported being used in reasoning for denying him his release in his contract. Ahead of last weekend's Royal Rumble event, Ali tweeted that he has no interest in competing in the Royal Rumble and just that he wanted his release. Fightful also reports that there had been a pitch for Ali to win, uh, to wrestle in the Rumble uh, with one talent chest and Ali should just eliminate him. Ali hasn't appeared on TV since October 9th on SmackDown and the stars reportedly had heated argument with Vince McMahon before asking for his release. Now, Mustafa Ali, Mustafa Ali, whatever you want to say, um, it's no secret that the guy is incredibly underutilized. Um, the guy is talented, and really, they haven't really known what to do with him for quite some time. And you know, they they had the whole thing with him cutting those, you know, those video uh, cell phone style promos, and you know, it was going to lead to something with him and Daniel Bryan before WrestleMania 35, I believe. Um, you know, he's a fantastic wrestler. You know, they gave him the the, the hacker, the, you know, the hacker thing, which led to nothing. Um, well, it didn't lead to nothing, you know, eventually with Retribution, but Retribution just became, you know, they didn't know what the fuck to do with him, with those guys and and girls at all, and Mustafa Ali took the brunt of that. Um, I think if someone is not happy, why would you hold them back? If someone clearly does not want to work for you anymore, why would you hold them back? Uh, because the, they say they, quote, see value in Ali, I think it's just so he doesn't go to AEW. I think it's just so he doesn't go anywhere else. Honestly, I don't know if I could see Mustafa Ali in AEW. I could probably see him in Impact. That's not a knock at the guy. I just think the roster is just so full at the moment that they maybe want to sign other people, you know, like a Keith Lee, or for example. Um, I think he can be used well. I think just about everybody on the WWE roster can be used well. It's just the WWE just don't know what the fuck to do with a lot of people on their roster, and even with this, the amount of people they have released, um, they still don't know what to do with a lot of the talent, because I look at the talent on SmackDown and Raw, and the roster is so thin these days that it's like everybody now should have a time to shine. Everybody now should at least have some storyline going on. You know, I think the thing with him and Mansoor, that could have been dragged up for a long time, but they just did it so Mansoor could get a win in Saudi Arabia. And I just think, to me, that just doesn't make much sense. I th- I mean, I, I understand why, but you could have dragged this out, and this could have been a, a possible, you know, WrestleMania program. I mean, it's not going to be a big marquee match, but you could at least build these guys as a tag team and have them have a match at, at WrestleMania, you know? Um, I think it was a bit of a waste to kind of do it with Saudi Arabia. But speaking of Saudi Arabia, moving on to everyone's favorite legend who just won't retire, uh, Bill Goldberg is slated for a match at the Elimination Chamber. According to a new report from Fightful Select, a familiar face is set to appear at the, quote, large-scale international event. Is that what they're calling uh, premium live events that are outside the country? Elimination Chamber is scheduled to take place on February 19th, 2022. That's right. 
it's time for Goldberg to appear. One of the most popular acts on Saudi hosted shows, Goldberg is scheduled to appear at the Elimination Chamber match in Jeddah. Uh, the match is reportedly the last committed in in his current contractual obligation with WWE. As he previously stated, he has one more match left in his current agreement. Um... According to the report, the latest creative plans for Goldberg are to challenge Roman Reigns for the Universal title to compete with their pre-pandemic feud, which saw the two scheduled to meet at WrestleMania 36. Fightful notes that not that given how much of a creative change plan of late, do remember card is subject to change. Now, I... Strangely enough, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with it because... We all know the plan for WrestleMania is going to be Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. And I don't mind if Goldberg is in. I mean, if this is his last match on his contract, then let's just get it out of the way. Let's just have him work in Saudi. Give the Mania spot to somebody else. Because personally, you know, I it's it's we've seen enough of Goldberg these days. You know, I, I think it'd be fine if he just does the thing with Roman Reigns. And he calls him out and just be like, you know, says, I'm next or you're next or whatever. Or who fucking cares? It's like, we it's like we never had our match, Roman, and I want to challenge you. Blah, blah, blah. Just, just do something something to that ilk. And you know, Roman Reigns can beat Goldberg, and then you can do the Lesnar thing, and just, just, you just move on. This is actually the one Saudi match that I'm actually not entirely, like, against. Um... But we'll get to the whole thing with like with with Raw and everything else too. I just want to get some of these stories out of the way, um, and I guess we can talk a little bit about uh, the SmackDown superstar who is not happy about being booked in the not being booked in the Rumble is Cesaro. Uh, Cesaro addressed being uh, omitted from the thirty man match, speaking to SI.com when asked specifically if he was disappointed that uh, he responded honest, uh, honestly saying yes I was a lot of people would have liked to see me in the rumble and a lot of people would have liked to see me win that would have put a next path into my journey I saw I saw Big E say in an interview he liked to see me win and that was very nice I appreciate the support of my colleagues but unfortunately that did not happen in discussing his work Cesaro is quick to point out that uh, despite the temporary disappointment he is still able to do what he loves and remains very passionate about wrestling in his career saying I'm doing what I love to do I love wrestling, and I love wrestling in front of people, and I hope that translates. It's an un, uh, unrelenting, uh, uh, I just fucked up the word, of excellence. That's the only thing that I can control. I don't get a lot of mic time or interview time, but every time I step through the curtain and get in the ring, you'll get to... You'll get that super high standard I set for myself. I will accept nothing less in the ring. Um, you know, Cesaro was one of those guys that I was texting with Sean during the Rumble. Like, why the fuck isn't he in the Rumble? We we, we just had to have Bad Bunny and Shane McMahon in there. But no Cesaro. Sure, that makes sense. We'll get to Shane McMahon in just a second. Trust me. Oh, trust me. That is going to be a big, big rant of mine with Shane McMahon. And since we're bringing up the big sweaty elephant in the room... Let's just talk about him, shall we? Okay, so if you have been living under a rock for the past week, uh, Shane McMahon was the lead producer in the Men's Royal Rumble match. So again, this is going to be going with the whole, uh, again, from good old trusty Wrestle Talk giving me the breakdown here. 
So things have broken down in a huge way between Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon. And AEW debut was canceled under the controversial circumstances. Oh, this is mixing a few things together. Let's just go. Shane McMahon gone from WWE after Clash with Vince McMahon. For the past couple of days, we've talked about Shane McMahon uh, quite a lot. Uh, part, uh, uh, partly because of the apparent backstage heat and partly because of his of his plans for WWE's next big shows. There were plans for Shane McMahon to be involved in the Elimination Chamber match, uh, match to the Elimination Chamber WrestleMania. It seemed like his WrestleMania opponent hadn't been finalized, but names discussed were Bobby Lashley, the current WWE champion, Seth Rollins, and Shane's pick, Austin Theory. Now, the Austin Theory thing makes sense given the current relationship, on-stream relationship with Vince McMahon and Austin Theory. That would make sense there. The original plan was for Shane to be involved in the championship match, the WWE championship match, the Illumination Chamber match. But when that lineup was announced on Raw, he wasn't in it. And since, uh, since it's come to light that Theory is one that replaced him, well, don't expect to see Shane McMahon in the Illumination Chamber or WrestleMania anymore because, boy, do we have an update for you. He's been let go quietly by the company. The first It was first reported by Ringside News and then confirmed by Dave Meltzer and other sources and comes after Shane received a lot of heat the way he conducted himself in his role producing the men's Royal Rumble match. Some things that have been said that are Shane has was basically being pretty selfish in the way he was going about it, trying to center things around himself rather than everyone else. And this is likely why he no-sold offense from Kevin Owens, then eliminated him, went toe-to-toe, with legit badasses Otis and Riddle and then made the final three of the match. Source told Ringside News Vince had no choice. Shane created chaos. Had everyone in an uproar pissed off. Everyone in the Rumble openly buried other producers uh, uh, sorry, he buried, openly buried other producers and was changing things that Vince wanted. Vince had no other choice but to send him home. Andrew Zarian specific, uh, specifically reported that Shane made changes to Bad Bunny's role in the Rumble and, and W was concerned about coming off badly with such a major celebrity star. Wade Keller of PW uh, Torch also had quite a lot of... Uh, a lot to add to the situation. Keller said that the issues between Shane and Vince really got to the next level when it came to the plans for Shane's involvement in Monday's Raw episode. Shane wasn't a fan of what Vince had in mind for him and pushed back to have the plans changed. And, well, Vince simply had enough and sent him home. It was unclear whether this was official release because Shane's contract situation is, isn't known. He may had had talent uh, had a talent contract, an employee contract, or no contract at all. But to put it simply, Shane is out of WWE and won't be involved in a foreseeable future. There, there's a lot. If you watched the Rumble this past, you know, last Sunday, Shane McMahon again, he was beating up people like Riddle and Otis. He just threw out Kevin Owens for no reason. He was in the final three and final four of the of the men's Royal Rumble match. Um, so it, it was <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just, uh, flabbergasted at the moment and I can't necessarily remember who the final, uh, members of said match were. I know it was Shane, Brock and Drew, and I can't remember who the other competitor was. That was the fourth guy in the match. I mean, the 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 men's rumble match started off okay. It started off not bad, 
but it, things didn't happen for such a long time, you know, and P and, and things really didn't start kicking in until until Drew, and that's like an hour in. It's like fuck, you know. He he didn't get to yeah he didn't get to oh I know I think it was Riddle who was yeah it was Riddle it was final it was Riddle Drew Brock and Shane McMahon and then Shane Drew and Brock and then it came down to Drew and Brock. Um, Honestly, if you guys have listened to this podcast before, you know my my disdain, my hatred for Shane McMahon. Uh, that you know when he came back, okay, it was cool and everything, but my hatred for this guy, this guy, he he really is a piece of shit. Honestly, he you come in making the rumble about yourself when you're supposed to be building storylines and you're supposed to be building like this is where you start building your foundation for WrestleMania to let the people know this is what we're going to be doing with, you know? You know, you could have been doing a thing where AJ Styles and Ricochet had a moment or whatever and then you know, you set up a, a program between AJ and Ricochet uh, down the line for WrestleMania. You set up a thing for between Drew McIntyre and 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 maybe uh, I don't know Shinsuke Nakamura for for WrestleMania or Kevin Owens or something. But the fact that he made it all about himself—I mean, how fucking self-centered can you be? How much of an egomaniac can you be when you're not even a fucking wrestler? You're not even a wrestler. You're 52 years old. You're not a wrestler. And you have all these young guys like Austin Theory and Ridge Holland and Montez Ford, uh, Angelo Dawkins, Chad Gable, uh, you know, Riddle, Ricochet, maybe not younger guys, but newer uprising stars. And you're just making it all about yourself. You're a piece of shit. You're a fucking piece of shit. Because why? Just what is to, 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 to boost your ego? To like, oh, I was in the final four of the Royal Rumble. I was in the final three. I eliminated Kevin. I was like, go fuck yourself, man. What is your problem? Why? Why? Why do you fucking have to make everything about yourself? And I and I truly feel like he made everything about himself. You know, in these storylines. Remember, he beat Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, you probably forgot about that. He beats Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia. And the fact at one point where it was almost like a rumor was going around where people, I think Meltzer was speculating. It's like, I don't know where they're going with the end game, what the Shane thing is, but it seems like they're building up to win the title. And the fact that he wanted to wrestle Seth Rollins, I mean, dude, nobody wants to see Shane McMahon in a match. Nobody wants to see Shane McMahon in anything. You need to go away, okay? Because right now, I like Stephanie McMahon more than I like Shane McMahon. I like Vince McMahon better than I like Shane McMahon. That might be a little bit of an over-exaggeration considering how many people the company have let go. But you get my point. The guy needs to fuck off, go away for a long, 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 long time, and never return, honestly. Shane should never ever return and when he if he ever does it'll be the point people will actually be happy to see him absence makes the the heart the fart (laughs) the heart grow fonder okay like when he came back in 2016 that was a legit moment everyone's like whoa holy shit shane's back now that shit it was like you know it was like four or five fucking years ago i i i'm just i'm just done with it and the fact that this shit going on with bad bunny the fact that they have as big of a megastar as Bad Bunny, who still wants to be involved in the company, some form or another, 
you can't treat him like these wrestlers where it's just like, oh, your number's, you're 15. Oh, well, now you're 20. Oh, now you're 7. Now you're 25. Like, wrestlers in WWE understand that's kind of how things go. And it's like anything can, wrestlers in general, that anything can change, you know, the drop of a dime. And they prepare for it. They get ready for it. And they do it. Bad Bunny is not a wrestler. Bad Bunny is a celebrity. And their most valued celebrity in a long time. And you can't just fuck around with him like that. Thinking that he's one of the boys. Because he's not. You can't fucking do that to a guy like that. Especially if for from a business standpoint. It doesn't make any fucking sense to fuck with that kind of thing. So... Overall, fuck Shane McMahon. I'm glad he's gone, and I just wish the Rumble would have gone down better. Uh, we're gonna talk. Let's talk a little bit about the Rumble real quickly. Uh, some things, you know, Edge Edge versus Miz and Reese, not a bad match, fun match. Um, Becky Lynch and Dewdrop, that that really just they had to follow uh, the Women's Rumble, which was the best match of the night, and that wasn't even the best Women's Rumble. Um, I guess real quickly, I will talk about the Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns debacle. Um, I will have to say, in the very beginning, the Royal Rumble was starting off hot. Roman comes out for his entrance. He's waiting for Seth. And then you hear Sierra Hotel, Indio, Echo, Lima, Delta, Shield. And then he comes out to the Shield theme song through the crowd in his Shield gear. I'm like, whoa, I was blown away. The crowd was blown away, and for like 15 minutes, Roman and Seth were having a really great match. I'm like, this is fucking amazing. I'm loving this. And then they had Roman lose by DQ, by not letting go of the guillotine chokehold, and it did kind of look like Charles Robinson put Seth's hand there. It kind of did, but man, it. and the thing I was reading, uh, hearing about this is that they did the DQ finish, and they had Roman attack Seth after the match, so the crowd would be booing Roman rather than the DQ finish. And that's like starting a fire, trying to put out that fire with more fire that you started when you didn't have to start the fire in the first place. And that's what baffles me. Um, after seeing this, and then we'll go through... You know, Bobby Lashley beat Brock Lesnar for the world title, uh, and with the help of Paul Heyman, uh, you know, with, with the help of Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns, the referee went down. Uh, Roman got in the ring. He looked at Paul. He he said he signaled for Paul to get the title. Paul gave it to him. They hit him with the title. Brock law. Uh, Brock was and then got a. I think he got hit with a dominator or a spear. Can't remember which. And then Lashley won. So that builds into the match, and then Brock Lesnar wins the Royal Rumble, last eliminating, last eliminating Drew McIntyre. Um, I I think I had predicted that Roman would lose, and then Roman would win the Rumble. I guess I got that wrong. It was the opposite. Um, I wanted to interconnect all of these things right here with Seth, Roman, and Brock because... I don't want to see the end of this Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins feud considering of how great the match they had. Now, we all know how great workers these guys are. They had great matches in the past and great chemistry. 
And I really like the story of Seth being the one guy that Roman uh, can't beat. Um, it really plays into it. And I don't know, man. I, I think the the rumble with Brock winning left a bad taste in people's... Maybe not so much Brock winning. I, I Me personally, I'm okay with Brock winning, leading to the match. I, I, I have... In recent memory, enjoyed the 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 the, the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns stuff. I just think that we should have a little something extra, and we've seen Roman and Brock have matches before. I think Seth Rollins needs to be in, uh, in imported in, introduced into this feud. I think Seth Rollins needs to be in a triple in, in a triple threat match. I don't care who wins. I don't care if it's Seth, I don't care if it's Brock, I don't care if it's Roman, but this match at Mania needs to be a triple threat match, and I don't get why WWE doesn't want to do more triple threat matches, considering triple threat matches are kind of your bread and butter. I mean, Roman versus Brian versus Edge at Mania 37 Night 2, that was a great fucking match. Braun Strowman versus Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania Backlash. That was a great fucking match. And honestly, probably the best match in the Thunderdome era, uh, along with Brian versus Roman Reigns uh, on SmackDown. But as far as a pay-per-view goes, that's the, or sorry, premium live event. That is the best match that we saw in the Thunderdome was those three guys I just mentioned. Now, I, I, we, I, we all have to kind of assume that this isn't going to happen. Seth Rollins... And Roman Reigns aren't going to tangle up at WrestleMania. But I put out a poll on our Twitter page, at TNAWP, if you're not following us already on Twitter. And I asked you guys, what match would you rather see at WrestleMania? And you guys made your opinions heard. Because we, as we pull over to the poll here, we have here that I put out the choices of, what match would you rather see at WrestleMania? I gave you the choices of Brock versus Roman, Roman versus Seth, Brock versus Bobby, Brock versus Roman versus Seth. So here's what we got here. At 4% of the vote, we had Brock versus Bobby. At third place, at 15% of the vote, Brock versus Roman. In second place, at 30% of the vote, Brock versus Roman versus Seth. At 51% of the vote, Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins in first place. I think you have a good thing going with Seth and Roman. And because you have been building to this match between Brock and Roman for so long, I don't think you should necessarily nix those plans because this has been going on for a while. I think if Seth Rollins doesn't have a clear-cut opponent for WrestleMania, then I think he should be involved in the Universal Championship match. I think Kevin Owens is going to be going into the route of facing Damian Priest probably at WrestleMania with the way things have been going, and I would love to see that. Yes, please, do uh, Owens versus Priest. But I think Rollins needs to be inserted into the Universal Championship match after the performance I saw him and Roman have at, at uh, WrestleMania, at, at, uh, at the Royal Rumble. Moving on, uh, I'll give my brief uh, uh, thoughts on the Women's Royal Rumble, which was really, really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, first of all, I love that Melina came back. Oh, 
oh god i was <laughs> i was so uh, i was really excited to see her there the split um i was texting with sean me like those thighs suffocate me <laughs> Kidding, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just I'm a big fan of Melina, man. I, I loved Melina growing up as a kid. Um, the women's rumble was a lot more fun, a lot, a lot cooler. Um, gotta say, like they made better uses of the surprise um, entrance rather than the men's. You know, a lot more happened in the women's rumble. I was I was messaging my my buddy Dylan from making Kayfabe. And uh, if you if you guys haven't heard that podcast, go check it out. They do uh, wrestling story. They rebook wrestling storylines or fantasy book wrestling storylines. And Ivory coming out right to censor in a right to censor gear, and she's just cutting a promo on all the women, and she is just belittling them. And it's she, she was she was fantastic. And what she's sixty years old. She didn't last that long, but she just goes right up to Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley hoists her up on on top and just brings her down that was so funny and so great uh i I think the biggest shock i mean not a shock because we knew it was happening uh but mickey james coming out and then she came out to her own song hardcore country if i got that right i don't really watch impact but she came out with the impact championship and i think kevin dunn was fucking with her just a little bit because as she was running walking down coming down the aisle with the impact champion knockouts championship hoist about to hoist in the air they cut to the crowd i was like ah fuck the other thing that they weren't doing right in the rumble they kept missing so many shots of eliminations happening in both the men's and women's rumble, uh, but as as the night progressed, we had some really great uh, returns. Uh, I liked the thing between Nikki Ash and Molly Holly, and Molly Holly coming out as uh, Mighty Molly. Um, I really enjoyed. Uh, I, I really enjoyed Lita coming back. Obviously, we knew Lita was coming into the rumble. Um, it was. Uh, it, it was a really good rumble and i i i personally don't think that charlotte and ronda spoiler alert ronda rousey should have ended the match uh and then ronda won and i i picked ronda to win because i wasn't sure who was going to win but um but yeah ronda rousey won the women's royal rumble she'll be choosing her opponent at wrestlemania and according to according to reports uh it's gonna be charlotte flair I was texting with Sean. I think the sun. I think the the next day on Sunday or Monday when the reports came out, that um, I said, uh, "All right, there. She clearly does not want to put over Becky, and she's and she legit hates her." But then we saw the segment between Rhonda and Becky, and Becky was talking her smack, being big time Bex, and Rhonda just pulls her around on the ground and says, "You'll get my answer." On SmackDown, which leads me to believe that we're gonna get Charlotte versus Ronda, which I don't mind. Um, and I think the plan is to do Becky versus Bianca, and then Meltzer is reporting that apparently the plan is for next year that's going to be Becky versus Ronda next year. So they almost did a match that we wanted three years ago, which we'll be doing next year, which will be at that point. Four years ago. I don't know why you couldn't have struck while the iron was hot, but we'll see. And apparently Ronda is in it for the long haul. She is uh she's in it for, you know, live uh, you know, live events here and there, Raws and SmackDowns, whatever situation is. Her contract 
I think I think is for the most part is a full time contract. So let's see how things go. Uh, Ronda and Charlotte should have a great match. Uh, now it's not officially made, but I think we will get Ronda versus Charlotte at WrestleMania. And overall, the uh, the Rumble was kind of disappointing, but I think there are some glimmers of hope. And I'm trying to be optimistic here. Uh, I mean. Really, all I want for WrestleMania is Roman versus Brock versus Seth. That's all I want. That's all I care about. But anyway, we'll have to wait and see. Going into uh, AEW, uh, before we get into uh, my little review of AEW, uh, going back to the big sweaty elephant, Shane McMahon, real quickly. Uh, apparently, through PW Torch, that unsurprisingly, the news of Shane's W departure brought with it its fair share of Shane to AEW memes and social media posts. But according to Wade Keller, BW Torch, even people within WWE think AEW having Shane on their books would be a bad idea. Keller says, people in WWE are letting me know that someone should warn Tony Khan what he's in for if he brings in Shane in. Because the sense of entertainment, and I don't know if he, if ego is the right word, that Shane would bring along with him in a company that isn't WWE would probably be amplified compared to how he was acting on Saturday, which was just basically out of control. Uh, Keller noted in previous reports that there was possibly Shane. We never see Shane on TV ever again. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. That's, I, I would, I highly doubt Shane McMahon's going to go to AEW. If, um, if that happens, then I was texting with Sean, I, I will completely lose all hope and I will stop watching wrestling. I will stop watching wrestling if Shane McMahon goes to AEW, and I'm very confident that he won't. Please, God, please let me be right. <laughs> anyway, going on to what happened with AEW. Uh, without, with that being said, uh, we can't necessarily not talk about what happened in AEW, uh, or what didn't happen rather in AEW, because originally we were supposed to get Brian Kendrick versus John Moxley to open the show. Uh, but he was taken off uh, the show due to some controversial co uh, comments he made on Twitter. After being re removed from his match announced with John Moxley tonight, uh, well, last night at the time of this recording, episode of AEW Dynamite late in the afternoon being replaced by Wheeler Yuta, Kendrick had taken his uh, to his Twitter to apologize and distance himself from past comments writing. I apologize for all the hurt and embarrassment I have caused with my words. These are not my beliefs and never were my beliefs of mine, and I crossed the line. I spread the most vile comments without thinking of the damage it would cause. I will live in regret for the rest of my life, and I am truly sorry for the pain that I have caused. Um, apparently, the comments were along the lines of that, uh, you know, that the Holocaust was a conspiracy or a myth or just wasn't a big deal. Um, saying that uh, Stalin killed more Catholics and don't make a big deal about that. Um, he was very young, very stupid. Um, it sucks because Brian Kendrick is a really great wrestler, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers growing up, and I think that he he would be a great asset to AEW. Unfortunately, these comments came up, and hopefully in time we can forget about this and he can come back and just wrestle in some form of capacity. But moving on to AEW, yes, it was John Moxley who will be facing Wheeler Yuta in the opening match at Dynamite. Uh, Moxley beat Yuta in a pretty one-sided match. I did enjoy the um, the curse from Danhausen. Um, I have a little theory about Danhausen. 
but I'll get to this thing real quickly with Moxley. Moxley beat Yuta, and after the match, Brian Danielson uh, proposed that they work together rather than fight. That you know they watched Moxley and thought that it was he was the best AEW World Champion, but they don't have to fight each other. Instead, work together. Uh, Brian says he and Mox can run AEW and become the AEW World Champion, AEW Tag Team Champions together, and can make some younger, hungry talent like Wheeler Yuta, Daniel Garcia, Lee Moriarty, and train them together under the ring, uh, under their wing. Brian tells Mox to think about it, the greatness they can create, to and to give him an answer. Um, just th- this. This is proposing something that I didn't think I wanted, but now I want this more than a Brian Danielson versus John Moxley match. You know, every time you think AEW is gonna zig, they fucking zag, dude, and that is incredible. the The prospect of this. Now, I will say this that with Adam Cole's promo saying that he's going to do what he wants, take what he wants, he's a bit different person, and, you know, starting with Evil Uno, presumably starting, eventually starting a few with uh, uh, Hangman Page for the world title, um, Danhausen did curse Adam Cole. So he looks different. Danhausen cursed John Moxley before Brian Danielson came up. So maybe when Danhausen curses somebody... Their personality changes. And honestly, I would love this. I would love this. I don't think you necessarily have to turn any guy heel or any any guy face in this scenario. But think about that faction, man. Moxley, Brian Danielson, Wheeler Yuta, Daniel Garcia, Lee Moriarty. I mean, that is just a solid faction right there. And honestly... I think we need a new faction in AEW to really bring some to bring up some fresh blood because the inner circle I think has kind of it's kind of come and gone. The elites kind of doing their own little civil war thing or leading up to it rather. Um because I mean with with inner circle I think it's it's time for all those guys to go their separate ways. I think it's time for Santana and Ortiz to go on and do something with Eddie Kingston. It's worth teasing. Jericho can will always be Chris Jericho, and he'll always do his own thing. Sammy Guevara is incredible. I just don't know what Jake Hager would do, but I think that th- it's time for them to kind of go their separate ways, giving the whole thing of the you know inner circle meaning. But this faction, man, I just I just salivate at the mouth thinking about the possibilities of this. Um, and then came, really came the weirdest part of the entire night where Brandy Rhodes came out and Dan Lambert came out and Dan Lambert was, you know, shitting on Brandy Rhodes to the point where Dan Lambert, the heel manager of a heel faction, is getting babyface reactions. And then Paige Van Zant comes out and they want to fight. And then it's like, okay, then the women came out too fast for the pull apart. I'm like... Yeah, AEW hurt us. We want more women's matches. Okay, we're going to give you Brandy Rhodes. No, we don't want Brandy Rhodes. We want Anna Jay. We want Ty Conti. We want Thunder Rosa. Do something with Britt Baker more often, for fuck's sake. Jamie Hayter, come on, man. You got the talent there. And nothing against Paige Van Zandt. I think Paige Van Zandt's great. But come on, you have this great roster in front of you. I'm just not going to harp on it because that segment was just a complete fucking dud. 
Um, Sammy Guevara versus Isaiah Cassidy is made for tonight's Rampage. And Cassidy says he'll take the TNT title if he feels like he'll take his girl, Ty Conti, as well. Matt asks Andrade Alidoa when he will get Darby Allen to join them. Andrade says he's working on it and it'll just require more money. Uh, doubt that's going to happen. Uh, the House of Black had beaten Death Triangle in a pretty decent match. Um, Pac had a blindfold in this, uh, but it was revealed that, oh, he didn't have, he didn't, he wasn't blind at all. Um, I think this wasn't necessarily the PWG style match that it could have been, but I think it set up a nice little rematch down the line. I love the pairing of Brody King, Brody King and Malachi Black together. Um, Adam Cole, like I said a little earlier, he is, said he's still undefeated. The record, the loss he faced to Orange Cassidy doesn't count. And then he deserves it because he is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And that is and that is the truth. We all know that. Cole now he's going to face Evil Uno on Rampage tonight. And, if, and after he wins, the whole world will know what he wants next. Again, I think this is leading to a match with Hangman Page. Hangman Page, we all know, is good friends with the Dark Order. And I think after he beats Uno, I think next week on uh, Dynamite where after Paige defends the world title against Lance Archer, I think that is where we're going to get the beatdown with Adam Cole, and it'll be Adam Cole versus Hangman Adam Page at Revolution. Nyla Rose beats Ruby Soho in a, in a decent match. Uh, you know, my um, my girlfriend is a big fan of Ruby Soho, and she com- she was complaining to me last night, ugh, why is Ruby losing? Why are they just doing this to her? And, and I'm just like, she's an underdog babyface. She's an underdog babyface. They're they're building up to when she gets that big win, when she gets that big championship win, whether it be the world title or the TBS title. So we all know what we're, what's going on here. Everybody, tell my girlfriend to get with the freaking program. Anyway, um, the Gun Club or the Ass Boys, as I should correctly say, uh, attack Jungle Boy and toss him out of the building into the snow. And then we see Christian Cage come out and run after them. I, I don't know. Th- this segment was just. It reminded me of. It just reminded me of that meme of Squidward running and running in a, in a in a tunnel as Christian Cage is running away from him. Um, I don't know. I we need to see the Ass Boys versus Danhausen because that's what I really want. <laughs> I whatever. Um, Lance Archer had um, he choke slammed Adam Page on the steel steps and put him through a table, and says that next week he'll become the world champion. You know. I appreciate what they're doing, Lance Archer. I think he's a great wrestler. Uh, I don't think he's a believable opponent for Hangman Page to so take the world title off of him. Uh, I think he's got he's got some of my favorite entrance music, like that. Everybody die! Like I love that shit. Like that's the kind of music I love listening to, and. Um, I think Lance Archer will have his day in the sun someday. I just think it's not just right now, and they're doing they're doing the and I think they're doing the best they can. It's just the world title seems like an afterthought right now, and that is partially due to who you're choosing as Hangman's opponent. It's not because Lance Archer isn't good. It's just you're not presenting him as such, and then you're not presenting him as a credible threat. So that's why when we get Adam Cole, I will you know will definitely have more of you know my teeth sink into with that. And Chris Jericho had called out uh, Santana and Ortiz for being disrespectful, not tagging him in the the match last week, and then he demands that every member of the inner circle show up, and it's mandatory. Apparently, he's also calling himself the influencer, that he influences more people in AEW than than Kylie Jenner does on Instagram. Okay, Jericho, I like how you throw shit at the wall, but this, I think, might not stick. Anyway, uh, this is, again, to build up that match between Jericho and... uh, 
and uh, Eddie Kingston down the line. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, I think the inner, I think it's going to be the implosion of the inner circle, and we're going to just, just move on to bigger and better things for everybody. Hopefully, um, the inner circle meaning just uh, Austin Gunn versus Jungle Boy and Hangman Page versus Lance Archer in a Texas Death Match for the world title has been announced for next week. And then finally came the main event in Chicago: CM Punk versus MJF, and. This was like a 45-minute match almost. And when I remember like at 9.15, MJF made his entrance. I'm like, holy shit, they're going to give these guys so much time. And it was such a good match, you know. CM Punk was getting the better of MJF for mostly throughout the match. I like how they threw him. MJF was chopped by a fan, a plant. Really, apparently that was a UFC fighter, but I didn't know who the fuck that was. Um... And, you know, Punk was getting the better of him for most of the match. You know, Punk hit a friggin' uh, uh, Spike Dragon Rana, if I read that correctly. Uh, a Pepsi plunge, which he hasn't done in over a decade. Uh, MJF tried to get the cheap win by having the portion of his tape around Punk's throat while he has the chokehold on. MJF got the, the the submission win, but then Bryce Remsburg sees the, the tape on the ground and restarts the match. And, you know, earlier in the I'm kind of jumping all over the place. But they're, you know, they're beating, Punk's beating up MJF in the, in the crowd. MJF was methodical, you know, hitting uh, Punk's knee and his arm so he couldn't use the GTS and Punk never being able to hit the GTS. Towards the end, Wardlow comes down and, you know, stares down Punk. And we, we're not really sure what the alliance of Wardlow is these days because of the tension between him and MJF. And usually when they kind of do this stuff where, like, you know, like they did with All, All Out with Chris Jericho, they gave MJF the victory, but then they see that, you know, oh, his foot was on the rope. So they give the thing, oh, so Punk's going to win. They doubled down with MJF. They had him win. They restarted the match, and then they had him win again in Chicago, beating CM Punk. The stunned silence. The stunned silence of the crowd is just, it's its impeccable. And we even go back in the replay of how MJF was handed the, the diamond ring by Wardlow. And it was just like, it's beautiful storytelling. It was a mastercraft of a, of a match. I loved it. And this can for sure set up a story down the line, a match down the line. Maybe you could do a rematch at Revolution. I don't know. I don't know if they would do one this soon. But, you know, you have really doubled down to really make MJF a star. And I also love the little note of, like, of you could clearly see with how MJF was on top of CM Punk, clearly thanking him for this. And honestly, this was the right call to make. I would have loved CM Punk to win because anybody who knows me knows CM Punk is my favorite wrestler. But MJF winning here needed to happen. MJF winning here, it had to happen. And now we've built him up to a point where this guy has beaten Cody Rhodes, Chris Jericho, and CM Punk. He has beaten all of these guys. Three of the biggest names in AEW and it's like eventually you're not going to be able to, to deny him a world championship match. And maybe not at Revolution, but maybe a double or nothing. I think we could quite possibly see Hangman Page 
versus MJF for the world title. Maybe an all-out we get it for the world title. I would try and drag it out as long as possible because I would like Hangman Page to have a long title reign in AEW. And, yeah, man, it would just it would be great. And I don't know who would take that. Again, I remember way back in the day in this podcast, I predicted that it would be John Moxley, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and then MJF as the next set of champions for AEW. But now we've gone through those champions. And I think MJF will be the next one. I'm just not sure who will be the next guy to face MJF as the world champion and beat him. Overall, fantastic episode of Dynamite. This this match could have this this match could have just been the only thing on the card and I would have been fine with it. Absolutely fine with it. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening and getting this far. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, thank you so much. And if you like what you hear, please be sure to be following us on Twitter at TNAWP. You can follow me on Twitter at CJ underscore 1214 if you'd like. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at CJ underscore 1293. And on Instagram for us here at the podcast, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast, all one word on Instagram. Uh, please be sure to be uh, listening on your favorite podcast app, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Please leave a five-star review, or if you can, leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Write a review for us. Tell us tell us what your friends. Uh, let us know what you think. You can still vote on that poll, I believe, on at TNAWP that I mentioned earlier about what match you'd rather see at WrestleMania, Brock versus Roman, Brock versus Seth. Uh, sorry, Brock versus Roman, Brock versus Seth versus Roman, uh, so uh, Seth versus Roman, or Brock versus Bobby Lashley. Let us know at TNA at TNAWP on Twitter. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all staying safe out there. Um, we're on the road to Elimination Chamber and Revolution and WrestleMania. Uh, in the near future. I didn't even get a chance to talk about the some of the ridiculous things about Raw and uh, how I just hated how Brock Lesnar is in the Elimination Chamber just because. Uh, but it is what it is at this point. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I have been CJ Palmasano, and I will see you all next time. <laughs>